hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Have you ever wondered why you want sometimes desperately to improve your financial life, but it seems like whether times are good or bad, you're never able to get to the point where you finally feel like you're above water or in control? There's some interesting science behind why this is the case, and it's all related to stories. You're listening to Queer Money, episode 225. Today, we're talking about bizarre money stories, how they sabotage us, and how we can overcome them for financial success. We make the Queer Money podcast for you, so please email your money questions to questions at debtfreeguys.com or post them in the Queer Money Facebook group, and we may answer them in an upcoming episode. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Capital One's checking and savings accounts have no fees and no minimums. And with one of the best saving rates in America, you can rest easy watching your money grow with no fees to bring you down. You can open an account in about five minutes, which means you are only about five minutes away from getting your savings to grow with one of the nation's best rates. Find out why the debt lasso method is a better way than the snowball or avalanche method for paying off your credit card debt by getting your free debt lasso calculator at debtlasso.com. Now, on with the show. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Queer Money. As I mentioned in the outset, today we're talking about stories. Some of the bizarre stories that we tell ourselves about money and really how those money stories have an impact on our financial life, sometimes to our detriment, sometimes to our benefit. You know, it's odd that this is the case, but you all probably can think about the stories that you tell yourself, right? And so you may be asking yourself, well, what is a money story? Well, we define a money story as a story or a narrative that we tell ourselves that creates our beliefs about how money is either working for or against us. Now, that's a little verbose, but basically, it's the story that we tell ourselves in our head that makes us act the way we do when it comes to money. You know, when you think about the stories that you tell yourself, you probably can think about the stories you think other people may be telling themselves. Let me ask you, when Usain Bolt, the gold medal Olympic runner, steps up to the line to run a race, what do you think he's saying to himself? Do you think he's thinking to himself, I probably won't win? No, of course not. He is psyching himself out saying, I'm going to win this. I am going to win this race. It's kind of akin to the saying that has been attributed to Henry Ford, where he said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. So let us ask you a few questions and we want you to fill in the blank. Fill in the blank here. Money is the root of all. If you said <laughs> evil, there is a good chance that you have a negative money story. Now finish this sentence. Earning money is, if you said hard or as a synonym, you have a negative money story. Money doesn't grow on if you said trees, there's a good chance that you have a negative money story. And finally, and this is a popular one, 
rich people are, well, if you said bad or another synonym, there's a good chance that you have a negative money story. And I know that this, this is one that is pervasive in our community. But it, this all really comes down to science, as David alluded to earlier. I mean, Sir Isaac Newton said, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So even our thoughts are producing an action, an equal reaction. So if we have a negative money story, there shouldn't be any questions as to why we're bringing that negativity with money back into our life. It's just science. We've talked about this before on this podcast. Our thoughts produce our feelings, our feelings produce our actions, and our actions produce our emotions. And that is sort of the, the stream of consciousness that helps us produce our results in life. And if you unconsciously think that money is bad, you'll unconsciously push money away. If you deep down inside don't feel that you deserve financial security, you'll forever be financially insecure. Now, the challenge with this is that much of this is done on a subconscious level, not necessarily on the conscious level. And about 95% of our daily decisions, science is starting to show us, is done at the subconscious level. But the problem is, is many of us don't know what that subconscious level is. So how do you figure that out? Well, very often, you can kind of look to the results that you're producing in your life. There's a very good chance that the results that you're producing are actually indicative of the unconscious money story that you're telling yourself. Right. It seems like, you know, as I said in the outset, we can never get ahead or we feel like we can never get ahead. Well, if we feel like we can never get ahead or we feel like we don't deserve it or we feel like money is a struggle or sometimes some people just say, I'm not smart enough to figure this out. Those kinds of stories that are going on in our head are going to produce the results. And it doesn't matter how much money you have or make. Right? I mean, think about it. We've heard these statistics before about professional athletes and lottery winners. Upwards of 80% of professional athletes end up broke within a couple of years of quitting their profession. And more than 70% of lottery winners, and we're talking about big lottery winners, like these are the jackpot lottery winners, these individuals end up filing for bankruptcy after winning millions of dollars. Why is that the case? It's because the money that they made or the money that they won had no impact on this money story, this narrative that they were telling themselves subconsciously in their minds. If they believed that they didn't deserve the money and they won it, they probably wouldn't hang on to it too long, right? So what are these money stories? How can we define them so that we can kind of check in to see Am I telling myself a story, a money story that is not to my benefit? Or am I telling myself a money story that I need to tell more often so that it is to my benefit? So we believe that money stories can basically be broken down into, and I do believe that there are multiple levels of all of these, but basically we think that there are three real money stories. There's the story that says that there's never enough. And we'll talk more about this, but the second story is the one where people say there's just enough. And then the final one is there's more than enough. Now, all of these money stories, as we've said, have a big impact on how money plays out in our lives. So on that first one, there's never enough. You know, this is probably the biggest group of folks out there the vast majority of people 
are in this group where they think that there is never going to be enough money. And as we said earlier, it doesn't matter how much money you have. And what's interesting is this mindset that we have that there's never enough, this is actually the least practical or least beneficial story for us to be telling ourselves. If we constantly believe that there's never enough, we're going to reinforce it. We're going to reinforce it with the things we do. For example, individuals who have this money story are constantly thinking in a scarcity mindset. Right? They're always looking for the lack. They're always looking for there's, there's not enough money for us to be able to do this, or I don't have enough money to take care of that. You know, and going back to that whole idea that it's not really how much money you have that determines this, it's your mindset. John likes to reference John Paul Getty. John Paul Getty was a billionaire, and when he was interviewed, he one time said that he thought he would never have enough money because he constantly worried about it. Yeah, he was constantly living in fear that no matter how much money he had, no matter how, how big his business grew, that he and his family would never reach financial security. And, and this is sort of indicative of, we, we all know people who we know don't have necessarily a lot of money in their bank account, but they have a much richer, fuller life. And we all know probably mostly based on people who we see on TV, famous people that are very wealthy when you look at their bank account, but they live a very poor life. And so having a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean that you're living a rich life. Um, and having a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean you're going to achieve financial security. It can go the opposite way. So what are some of the habits that someone who has this there's never enough money story may display in their lives? Well, one of the things that is very common, these are the individuals who often avoid checking in on their financial situation or they check in way too often. Now, there's two reasons why this may be happening. If you're avoiding checking in, you're thinking to yourself, I'm scared. I don't want to find out because I know there's not going to be enough. And then the person, and I will admit that I do this from time to time, I check in more often than I should because I know or I think that the balance is declining. And what I'm doing is I'm reinforcing, I check in too often, I'm reinforcing that the balance is actually declining, which then triggers that mindset in me again, saying, oh no, we're running out of money. There isn't enough. There's never gonna be enough, right? So these are, that's just some of the habits. Some of the other things that are common for individuals who think that there's never enough is that they won't necessarily spend money on the important things. We know people like this, right? People who seem to have money for all of the fun, but never have the money for the essentials, right? These are the individuals who may spend on some big ticket item, but then feel like or actually display that they're broke when it comes to their housing, their food, their clothing. They'll skimp on those things, but then they find themselves blowing money in other areas. I think a lot of us can relate to this. We've maybe seen a sibling spend their money recklessly, and then they have no problem going to mom and dad saying, well, I can't meet my rent. I can't pay for my phone. Can you help me out? And that just grates on us, right? Because we're trying to take care of our money. And then our sibling is doing the complete opposite and then running to mom and dad saying, well, 
things are tough for me right now. I, I need some help. Yeah. And it also, I think a common one is when things need to be taken care of, they don't have the money for that, but they have money for the fun stuff. Now, here's an example, individual who knows that they need to take care of something in their car, right? Whether it's 50 or $100 or more, they neglect maintaining their car, but they have no problem dropping $100 on a new pair of shoes or a round of shots for friends when they're out. So these are examples of how a person who constantly thinks that there's never enough money doesn't take care of the necessity first. You know, I think we, we get this a lot on social media. People who we see are spending a ton of money on shoes and clothing and vacations when you could travel, all sorts of very nice things, high quality of life things, but we know how much debt they have. They've told us how much debt they have, but they don't see the value in paying for help to get rid of that debt. But they'll continue to go to the bar every weekend when they can. As we said earlier, that you know, doesn't matter how much money you have, you can be have a lot of money and still feel poor. Oprah's famous for saying, "Be thankful for what you have; you'll end up having more." If you concentrate on what you don't have, you'll never ever have enough. And that's sort of the psychology that's pervasive in this particular money story that there's simply never enough. And uh, whether that's actually true or psychologically it's true to us, um, it can have an adverse effect on our outcome. So we have to figure out a way that we can sort of flip that on its head so we can progress, as David said, towards what's optimal for us. How does your bank support the LGBT community? Not at all? For Pride in June? Or 365 days a year? Capital One proudly supports the LGBT community throughout the year. Maybe it's time to support a bank that supports us. Go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash cafe for more info. Want to be a part of the $1.7 trillion LGBT business economy? The National LGBT Chamber of Commerce New York is here for you. For your next big contract, mentor, coach, collaborator, and tons of new clients, join us at nglccny.org for the greatest concentration of LGBT and allied business leaders in New York. Now, the second money story is that there's just enough. However, this isn't the Goldilocks scenario. This is, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is not the Goldilocks story here. These are people who, no matter how much money they make, they simply never get ahead. Their quality of life increases with their paycheck, but their financial security never seems to increase. So they're always kind of living on the edge. And this, you know, this isn't inherently a bad place. At least they're not acquiring debt and digging themselves deeper and deeper into the hole. But the thing is, is that we're all of us experience ebbs and flows in our income. At some point, all of us are going to reach a point in our life when we can no longer work anymore. So with this kind of a mindset, there's that future financial insecurity that we're going to experience. So habits of people who are indicative of this particular money story are that they're spending all their income, but have neither too much debt, but have minimal savings and investment. So they're kind of like we said on the edge, they might have a little bit of debt, they might have no debt, they might have a little bit of savings and investments, but not significantly or not necessarily enough. They spend their bonus before they receive it, or they spend their tax refund before they actually receive it. And can always pay for things when you go out with friends and family, but they just can't seem to get ahead. So there's just that, that, that lack of financial success in the day-to-day -day, saving investing area of their life. I think when I think about individuals who think that there's just enough, like you said, they're, they're living on the edge, but they're the kinds of individuals who are looking around and constantly looking for the next thing to spend on when they get the money. 
right? They know they're going to get the money and they know that they're going to spend it. They don't think about how can that money be used for progress? How can that money be used for eliminating some of the feelings that they have about not being able to get ahead or to feel comfortable? They're the individuals who probably are just getting by when paycheck comes, right? They're living paycheck to paycheck, but literally they cover all of their expenses or live on all of that money. And then as soon as the paycheck comes, they spend it all again. So it's this never getting ahead because they know or they believe in deep down inside that I will just have enough money. I can never be rich. I can never get to that financial success because, and then it plays out in their lives because they don't set their lives up to be able to get to that point. Nope, not the perfect bowl of porridge. <laughs> right. <laughs> the third mindset is the individual who says that there's more than enough. Now, again, this has nothing to do with how much you make. And this, we believe, is the smallest group of people and the most practical. And it has nothing to do how much money you've been given or the type of job you have. There are plenty of people who make a lot of money, a lot of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that are not in this group. You know, I think back to a story that was on CNBC a few, I think it was maybe last year of the couple that earns $500,000 a year, lives in Manhattan and is living paycheck to paycheck. And many of us were aghast when we heard about this, right? This, this story went viral, but this is an example of individuals who have a lot of money come in, but can't seem to get to this money story that there's more than enough. And this is the most practical. This is the group that will have the best opportunity of feeling like they actually are getting ahead. These are the individuals who always spend less than they make. And again, I said it's not doesn't have to do with how much money you make because John and I don't know individuals who are making about $40,000 a year, and yet they seem to figure out how to make sure that they are putting money into their retirement. They seem to figure out how to have money for investments, and they are traveling regularly. Things that mean or are important to them, they have make sure that they have the money for that. So again, these are individuals who spend less than they make because they're consistently putting money into things like an emergency savings account, whether it's $5 a month or a week or $50 or a $500, they're setting aside money in emergency savings and investing and they're avoiding bad debt. Now, you may not be rich, you may not feel or necessarily look like you're rich, but a lot of times these are the individuals who Many of us are surprised when we find out that they are the quote-unquote millionaire next door. Yeah, every now and then you see that newspaper article about that gas station attendant who suddenly has you know, millions of dollars, you realize, after they pass away and they <laughs> donate it to a library. Or uh, I think a couple of years that, that particular story happened to a janitor in a, in a school. He passed away and donated millions of dollars to, to a, uh, the school that he worked at. So you would look at this individual and assume that they don't have enough money, but he had the money story or they had the money story that there's more than enough. No matter what my job is, there's more than enough and there's a way for me to even make that grow. Even if I can't use it, at least I can pass it on to other people who will. 
Yeah. I think that uh, one of the things that is very common among folks who have this more than enough mindset is how their financial life plays out physically and emotionally for them. These are the individuals who, when you compare them to someone else who has similar earnings, it appears that they are physically or emotionally more well-adjusted, I guess is probably the, the way to put it. These are the individuals who aren't you can see that they're not stressing about financial things. They're not complaining about the things that they don't have. They're not talking about how difficult it is. And again, this has nothing to do with how much money they make. We know of a financial advisor that we spoke to recently, and he started working with a client, and this client basically exposed to him that she was sitting on eight figures of money. Right, So this is someone who has more than $10 million. And he said he was just completely blown away because she did not look like it at all. He said she was looked very comfortable, but did not appear to be very wealthy. Yet he knows other clients that he's working with who appear to be very wealthy that have vastly less money than she does. And it really comes down to her mindset. Her mindset is that she's going to spend on the things that matter to her and she's going to consistently set aside money in emergency savings and investments. It reminds me of a meme that we shared on the Debt Free Guys well several years ago at this point, but it's a side-by-side of Jay-Z. And it's Jay-Z when he was starting out his career and it's Jay-Z today. And the Jay-Z when he was starting out his career and didn't have a lot of money, but he had all the bling. He had the gold necklaces and tons of gold rings and all the jewelry and all the, all the indications that he's wealthy and successful. Then the Jay-Z today, who we know has a lot of money today, just wearing a black t-shirt. Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was wearing pants. <laughs> well, he wearing pants. <laughs> you only saw him from the waist up. <laughs> but but it, it, you know, it's 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 the appearance of looking wealthy, and then there's the the reality of of being wealthy. And very often, not always, very often, people who are wealthy don't necessarily feel like they need to show it off to everybody. Um, so we can't just assume because someone has fabulous boots or the right clothing and all and all the fancy stuff that they've got together. Very often, that's just a facade that we're putting on to help the world think that we're doing better. Right. So what does this mean for us? Well, this is an important time for you and us to check in. We want to check in or we should check in regularly and ask ourselves, what money story am I telling myself? And one of the things that you can do is to check in especially when you feel like you're going to purchase something or you're going to be taking a look at your financial situation, check in with how you're feeling in that moment and ask yourself, what money story am I telling myself when it comes to that particular instance? It's important to check in regularly because as John mentioned, science is now showing that 95% of the decisions that we make on a daily basis are ones that our subconscious mind makes. That means that we don't really know that we're making those decisions. An example of this is when you first learned how to drive, I've used this example before because I think it's really effective. When you first learned how to drive, you were so conscious about 
every single aspect of what you were doing, especially if you were learning how to drive with a clutch, you know, with stick, you know, you were so conscious about, you know, looking around, making sure you're observing everything. Am I going the right speed limit? You were so glued to the steering wheel. You're so paying attention, right? And then even sometimes months or years later, you can fly down the road, be listening to music, having a conversation with someone, and you're not really paying attention to what it is that you're physically doing to make sure that you're staying on the road, right? That's because your body and your mind have taken over that aspect of driving. The same thing happens to us when we start to incorporate regular decisions about our finances. And to be clear, this changing our money story, especially when we're not exactly sure what our money story is, isn't easy. We're not saying that simply just flipping a switch is going to make this change for you one day. This is actually very challenging. David and I have had our own challenges with it. If you want an example of how challenging this is, just changing our habits, then try to brush your teeth the next week with your opposite hand. <laughs> exactly. This is a good, that is a good one. <laughs> that is very hard to do. Now, for all intents and purposes, there really is no reason why your left hand can't do what your right hand is doing and vice versa. But for most of us, we've grown up brushing our teeth with the same hand 365 days for year after year after year. And now we can't change it. So trying to change your money story can be challenging. But the first step is to figure out exactly what our money story is and getting very silent and paying attention to what is our guttural feeling? How are we feeling about things? And then from there, we can change our behavior. So, And then, you know, I think the behavior is an important one because like you talked about brushing your teeth with the hand you don't normally brush your teeth with, after some time period, you will start to develop some comfortability with it. It won't always be easy, but after a time period, you'll start to develop some comfortability with it. The same thing goes when we adopt habits that are attached to the mindset of there's more than enough money. Just think about it. If you don't have any emergency savings or you feel like you don't have enough emergency savings, which I think a lot of folks are feeling right now during this whole coronavirus quarantine lockdown, whether you have a job or not, you probably are feeling a little bit of a pinch, right? Or uncomfortableness. If you had more emergency savings, what would your stress level be? And how would that stress level affect the decisions that you make, right? So if you develop the habits of always taking a portion of your paycheck, what, like I said, whether it's $5 or $50 or $500 and putting that into emergency savings or putting that into investments or putting that towards paying off your debt, those habits will start to change the way you think, which will change the way you feel, which changes the way your subconscious mind works. Exactly. So your takeaways for today are, one, know your money story. Get really, really crystal clear on what your money story is. And from there, try to adopt the habits and the mindset to reach this money story that there's more than enough, that there's always more than enough for you. And if you want some help trying to work on this and to exercise this and to adopt these, these money stories, then go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash 225 and download their free Fabulous Life combo. Again, that's debtfreeguys.com forward slash 225 for the Fabulous Life combo. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Queer Money. Here's your Queer Money takeaway from this episode. No matter what, 
always try to tell yourself a better money story, that there's always enough, and that you're creating the habits to ensure that there's always enough. And then download the free Fabulous Life combo at debtfreeguys.com forward slash 225. We make the Queer Money Podcast for you, so please email your money questions to questions at debtfreeguys.com or post them in the Queer Money Facebook group, and we may answer your question in an upcoming episode. This podcast is sponsored by Capital One. Capital One is redesigning the banking experience by offering simple, straightforward, and seamless ways for you to bank from almost anywhere, so banking fits into your life, not the other way around. Commit, trim, lasso, automate, monitor. That's the debt lasso method, and it's helped pay off over $250,000 in credit card debt in less than two years so far. See what it'll do for you by getting your free debt lasso calculator at debtlasso.com. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.